2: They use bad language and mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses
0: in this room.
3: I know exactly who that is. That's the mother f- that loses every god game. <laughs> That's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> get rid of him. <laughs> bros, come on, I love you bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now
2: get me Saviour. No timeouts for Washington. Wentz quick pass. And it's intercepted! David Long with the interception. And he's finally brought down near midfield. Jesus Christ, you
4: disappoint me as much as my kids, for Christ's sake.
2: (laughs) I tell you, I think we got something here with Dirt after uh, after a commander's loss. And uh, we may be hearing from him again. On, th- on Friday as well oh and uh, I I've, e- I've even got a drop of dirt for when uh, the commanders assuming it, it w- at some point this season break the losing streak we can always have we can always have him say this don't get cocky fuck nuts <laughs> uh glad we're not on terrestrial radio anymore just for that right there. welcome to the Bob Matthews podcast everyone big news. We are now a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network as well, so we will be doing double duty here until the commander's season mercifully comes to an end a couple of months from now. Uh, in just a few minutes, we are going on the ice, though, as our good friend Samantha Pell of the Washington Post joins us for a capital season preview the season premiere of our For Whom the Pell Tolls segment. It's coming up in just a few. But first, uh, we have got to recap that day that was at FedEx Field. There's really nothing to be upset about. Reality is set in here. Um, The Commanders just aren't a good team. I I wish they were. But this roster was put together um, so inconsistently that they lost players that they couldn't afford to lose and they don't have the backups for it. You lay all of this at the feet of Ron Rivera, who we're going to hear from in just a few minutes as we'll go through the whole quarterback Misha Gus thing. We're also going to hear from Carson Wentz too, who, and this may not be that popular an opinion. I can't give a grade on Carson Wentz for this year. It's still an incomplete for me. And that's because He's been running for his life so much. Um, the interior of the offensive line isn't just bad; I mean, it's it's horrible. It's inept, and this is, as far as I'm concerned, malpractice on the part of front office. Ron, it just is. I understand, as we all as we all know. Let me back up for a second. We all know who who got who they get rid of on the offensive line in the offseason. Brandon Sheriff and Eric Flowers, an All-Pro guard, and a pretty damn good guard. Now, I understand letting Brandon Sheriff go; he wasn't going to re-sign here, and God knows who can blame him. Um, and he and he wanted to test out the market. I mean, that's he wanted to set the market for guards. Fine. Um, letting uh, Eric Flowers go, I'm like, why? They honest to God, thought that Andrew Norwell or Trey Turner, well, both, would be sufficient replacements? No. And I'm not buying the argument that if you lose your center, well, that just, the whole thing goes to hell as well. Um, They should have had a better plan than signing Nick Martin off the street a couple of weeks ago. PFF.com, the grades came out uh, early Monday. Of all of the interior offensive linemen that played football in week five of the NFL, notwithstanding the two offensive lines on Monday Night Football, but for everything Thursday through Sunday, the three interior, the three worst interior offensive linemen, Sadiq Charles, Andrew Norwell, Nick Martin, in every single solitary category. No two ways around it. And that is basically what's sabotaged this offense. But it's a pretty big piece of it. And I'm sorry, but Rivera should have known better. But, you know, he's not a great talent evaluator. That's what we're finding out here. Should have never let Eric Flowers go. That was just a huge mistake. And he should have replaced uh, Brandon Sheriff better. It, It just, it's 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 a disaster right now. I don't know what else to say. Um between that and the abandonment of the running game, and I get that part of the reason you couldn't run the football is because you had Andrew Norwell either, you know, committing false start penalties all over the place. Um the the Commanders ran the ball a total of 17 times. Five of those was Carson Wentz running for his life out of the pocket. I don't know what Scott Turner has to do, um, but he's got to make an adjustment because he can't be dropping Carson Wentz back in the pocket like this because his offensive line just isn't good enough to give Wentz the time on these routes. It's just not. The tape doesn't lie, and that's what the tape shows. Now, why he was not able to make those adjustments this week, I don't know simple reason probably is that that's what happens on bad teams. They don't make adjustments fast. Everybody else can see that they need to go to a quick passing game and for some reason, this coaching staff doesn't see it. All of this overshadowed what was a triumphant return for Brian Robinson. That was a you know, a really cool story. Um, but really all we can talk about is, you know the ineptness of this offense. Defense isn't even playing that bad. Montez Sweat was a monster on Sunday. I, 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 I've I just started grinding through the tape, but I mean, he was getting home all day long, and I mean beating two and sometimes three guys to pressure Ryan Tannehill. Uh, that big pass play that the defense gave up, uh, I you know, sure looked to me like Sweat was held big time on it, and it wasn't called. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Jack Del Rio's not the problem anymore. I mean, the last three weeks, the defense has done enough to keep this team in the game. Um, they're good. They've been good. They haven't been great. But about the only thing that would make a difference, wins and losses were, I mean, it, it, the defense would literally have to play at um, to the, the Baltimore Ravens year 2000 defense level. And that's just unfair for anybody to have to do but really aside from that one big chunk play defense played pretty well overall and again there there was more more than enough opportunities for the offense to score enough to win that game defense did its job so where do we stand now the commanders are one in four they will odds are pretty overwhelming this will wind up being a lost season they go to Chicago Thursday night, and, you know, I, I'd i love to be able to say, well, they're definitely bouncing back. This is where all the madness stops, and they bounce back on Thursday night. I have absolutely no confidence that this particular group of personnel could do that. Uh, I, you know, maybe it'll happen, but you can't say you expect to see this team bounce back and win on a short week on Thursday night go into the locker room Carson Wentz after the game yesterday we start we begin at the end with the goal line stand there that uh, was not the game winning touchdown
5: tough tough very frustrating obviously an emotional bit of emotional roller coaster there you know you're feeling very confident in your ability to go down and moving the ball converting you know, converges down the field. And um, we get first and goal from the two. Uh, and you're thinking, all right, we, we got this. Uh, we got a couple chances here. And um, hats off to them. They made a couple good plays. And it's frustrating. It's definitely frustrating and uh, kind of stings a little bit extra just because I uh, thought we had it there. Also in that sequence, so Curtis gets pushed out of bounds, which keeps the clock running. You have to call timeout. And then after the next play, you call timeout as well. Was that a tough sequence there to, to have to fire both those timeouts? It was. Uh, it was, but at the same time, I mean, you still look at it, at the end of the day, we had our chances. You know, we still got three shots at it. Could have been four, um, first and goal. So, obviously, the time is, you know, you want those timeouts because it it can help some decisions down there. But um, at the end of the day, we still had our chances to execute down at the end, and we just didn't.
2: Again, at this point, I'm not faulting Carson Wentz for a lot of what's gone on here the last few weeks. His center can't get him the ball on a consistent basis in the shotgun. And his guards – Can't keep anybody off him uh, long enough for him to set up and throw. And his offensive coordinator, apparently, can't call the kind of plays that can compensate for the fact that the center and the guard stink. So I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know what to tell you on that. And it's a shame because I think given just a little bit to work with, I mean, not even a huge amount, but give him a little bit to work with, I think he's got the talent to make this offense really run, but we're not going to see that this year. It's just not going to happen, at least not in its present form. Ron Rivera talked to reporters this afternoon or Monday afternoon uh, and uh, got in a – caused a little bit of a kerfuffle uh, with this comment Um in the and the answer to a, a question by our uh, our good friend Matthew Paris from the Washington Times.
4: Aaron, following up on John's question about the, the Giants, you know they're up to a faster start. The Eagles, the Cowboys, you know they've kind of all been rebuilding too the last couple of years, and it seems like they're farther ahead. Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at, at this point? Quarterback. Is that? I mean, with quarterback like the Cowboys, for instance they don't have Dak Prescott this season and still have been able to well, they win. Started with, well, they, well, they started, started with them, Dak but and they
1: build around Dak and the offense is built around Dak. Um, their backup's a, a guy that is very solid inside of it, inside of what they do. Um, and the truth is that, that this is a quarterback-driven league. And if you look at the teams that have been able to sustain success, they've been able to build it around a specific quarterback.
4: Chose the quarterback here, though. So do you have any regrets about that or how do
1: you no, I got no regrets about that quarterback. I think our quarterback has done some good things. There's been a couple of games that he struggled, um, but you look at his numbers from yesterday, and he was okay. you would say, okay, look at his numbers he's had throughout the year. There was a time he was, you know, um, very solid, and then um, un- you know we had the unfortunate Philadelphia game, and he struggled a little bit in the Dallas game. But the way he performed yesterday, it just shows you, you know, what he's capable of. And you know, we chose him because we believe him. We chose him because we looked at what we felt were, were, were things that pointed towards him.
4: And then, sorry, I'll ask a third one. On the offensive line, too, I know Chase really is hurt both interior spots. Trey Turner has been hurt. Uke Um left guard. How do you evaluate Andrew Norwell, and is there I guess, are there answers to, to fix the interior? How do, you, how do you kind of assess the interior, uh, especially? Well, I
1: think what we need to do is, first and foremost, we've got to be able to run the ball, run the ball successfully. I think the thing that really helps offset some of those, those issues is being able to run the ball successfully. And that's, you know, that's something that we've got to continue to stress and work on and get better at. You know, the, the numbers show it last year. You know, We had a little stretch, we ran the ball on the average six more times in a game, and we were able to, to, to win those games. Uh, because the guys were able to do the things that they're capable of, and that's firing off and attacking. And I believe it's the same thing with this group of guys. If we give them an opportunity to to, to run block, helps set up the uh, the play-action pass, and it also helps with um, you know some of the other passing downs.
2: That's the weirdest vibe I've heard out of Ron Rivera since he came to town. It really is. I, I don't know if he's checked out. I don't know if... He feels like he's in danger of losing the locker room or what. But <laughs> they go to you're gonna we're gonna learn a lot about how the rest of the season's gonna go this week. If they come out and just lay an egg, which is more likely than not, man, this is gonna be a long, long rest of the year. From that, coming up next, we're going to deal with and talk about. One of the best organizations in sports. It inhabits an ice rink in Chinatown. It's the Washington capital Samantha Pell, of the Washington Post, joins us next. It's the Bob Matthews podcast right here on the Pigskin and the Hockey Podcast Networks. Hockey fans, it is finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NHL. You are in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. So you want to put a bet on the Caps Bruins opening night, Wednesday of this week? Go for it. Or, or And if you want to, you know, maybe roll in a couple of parlays on does Ovi get a goal, does Darcy Kemper get a shutout, you're going to be able to do that too because if that's not enough excitement with the, you know, $5, 200 in free bets, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like who's going to win, how many goals is going to score, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook, back, Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win. And get $200 in free bets if they do. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NHL. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 and visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call or text redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 and older, 18 and older, New Hampshire and Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, by the way, select parishes in Louisiana, Louisiana. New customer offer void in New Hampshire, Oregon, Ontario, Canada. $200 in free bets. New customers only. Valid one per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit, 5 minimum $5 wager. $200 issued as 8 $25 free bets. Ends 9/19/22 at 8 p.m. Early win one early win token issued per eligible game. Opt-in required token expires at the start of the eligible game. Minimum money line bet is $1. Wagering Limit Supply. Wagers placed on both sides of the money line will void bet. Ends 1823 at 8 p.m. Eastern. See terms at sportsbook.draftKings.com slash football terms. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk, covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from all right here we go the season premiere of for whom the pell tolls ms 305 herself samantha pell capitals insider with the washington post joins us good off season for you looks like you you are rested relaxed and ready to go right
3: Yes, for sure. I think especially this season, a lot of new faces on the Caps looks like a pretty exciting team. So, I mean, me, everyone, I think everyone's just uh, excited to get going here.
2: You said something, I think it was on WJFK the other day, on 106.7, that, that fascinated me. When you categorized uh, Brian McClellan's offseason as being darn near perfect. So, I mean, you know, it, it's looking like the Caps really killed the offseason then, didn't they?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was just really impressed when you look at the gaping kind of holes in Washington's lineup uh, headed into the season. I mean, you're without Tom Wilson, you're without Nicholas Backstrom. How can you possibly go out in the offseason and find guys to replace them uh, in temporary roles before maybe both or just one come back this season? And Brian McClellan, I think, did that with getting Dylan Strom and Connor Brown uh, through free agency. I just think the move to get Strom was... Great. I think the numbers great with him. He seems like he's ready to have a breakout year in Washington after, you know, a few seasons on a Chicago team that just really wasn't going upwards and seemed like he was kind of stuck. And with Connor Brown in Ottawa, I think he's just a guy that knows exactly how he wants to play. And teams know that too. And he's one that looks like he's going to replace Tom Wilson on the top line next to Ovi and Kuznetsov, which is not an easy task by any means. But so far in camp, it looks like he's fit in great, and uh, he's kind of ready to go. And,
2: and then, of course, you know, they and they kind of get lost in in the shuffle with the big signing that was Darcy Kemper. Where you know, at least on paper, here as we go into the season, the Caps have have solved their goaltender problem, right?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think overall, I think Kemper is just kind of a breath of fresh air for this entire situation. I think the last two seasons, it's kind of been the never-ending questions of who's the net tonight and who? how are they going to do and are they going to be able to hold the net and kind of catch fire? It just seemed like a constant narrative over and over. And I'm sure it kind of wore on everyone, even if maybe outwardly they didn't express it. And now you have a guy who you know is number one headed into the season and you know what to expect. He's obviously coming off the Stanley Cup and Washington just feels really confident in what it has back there.
2: I think a lot of people might forget that, Sam, how do you how can how do you put into words what kind of a difference it makes for a team, both offensively and defensively, when you've got a true number one there in goal?
3: I just think it provides stability. I think it provides like calmness. I think in watching Darcy Kemper this season, I know it's just the preseason, but just watching him in net, he already seems like a bigger presence. I mean, he's six five. Uh, he just seems like he's calm. He seems like he's experienced. He's been there. He's done that. And I think having that, especially with your blue line and that communication being top notch, I think is what can create, you know, the best scenario for a team moving forward. And Washington has said that they really like everything that's happened so far with Darcy on the ice. And now we just kind of have a 82 game season to look forward to.
2: Um, How about the kids? Uh, You know, we, we, we know what, what the rep is on the team, you know, it's, it's a veteran team, I guess, you know, having Strom out there gives them uh, a, a little bit of a, of an injection of youth and and Brown, as you mentioned, you know, 28. So kind of in his prime there, but um, how, how are the kids looking and, and who of the young prospects do we think might stick after, I guess, who uh, Axel Johnson, obby, and and uh, uh, one other whose name is escaping me got claimed off of waivers today. Right.
3: Yeah, for sure. Brett Leeson and Axel, yeah, both those guys got claimed off of waivers today. And I mean, obviously that kind of weakens the organizational forward depth, but when you look in general and overall, I think the young guys, I think they're in pretty good shape. Uh, Alexi Protas is obviously the first name that comes to mind. I think he's been the best prospect uh, during training camp. I think he went out and pushed the coaching staff and probably pushed management to say, Hey, okay, maybe this kid should stay here and he should stay up in the big leagues. I don't think anyone really had him penciled in to start the year in Washington, but he could be starting opening night on Wednesday. And I think with him, it looks like he really upped his skating scales, his speed, his tenacity on the puck. He just seems and looks like an NHL player. And I think without Tom Wilson to start the year, he's a guy that can come in and fill in really well. Uh, obviously, Connor McMichael is still in the mix, and it's either probably going to be him or Pro. Frodo- In the lineup opening night, I think it's going to be that competition uh, for a little bit now until the coaching staff figures out who is the right fit and where. And, you know, the team also kept Joe Snively on its roster for opening night. So looks like Joe will be the 13th forward. But in terms of the young guys, those are the three that are currently up at the caps. And I'm sure we will see more as the season continues.
2: It was kind of a surprise with Protus, as you said. And, uh, I mean, it it sounds like he really outplayed McMichael in the preseason, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think my opinion, just talking with other people, you just noticed him more on the ice. It was a situation where he was just kind of out there, as LaViolette said, making noise. Uh, He was in all the right places at the right time. He got PK time, created a shorthanded chance. It was just... In situations maybe that you didn't think that he would stand out, he did. And on a team that's looking for that spark night in and night out, I think he would be a great addition to any lineup. Obviously the flip side is he's younger. If he doesn't have the experience, Connor McMichael obviously has a little bit more experience. And he has the pedigree. So I think it's all going to depend on situational needs and who Laviolette and the coaching staff kind of trust. And I think it's going to be one of the situations that's going to have to play out and who knows? Maybe it's a back and forth, or maybe it's as simple as uh, Hendricks LaPierre last year, you know, playing in that stretch for the first couple of weeks, and he got sent down, and McMichael stayed for the rest. So it'd be really interesting to watch moving forward.
2: I tell you what, judging by the sound in the background, I think your cat could be, uh, could be some help <laughs> on the blue line, too. He sounds she's like he's really, a, she's ready to get after it.
3: She is ready for some defense. She just uh, flew over my laptop. Nice. So, awesome. um, yeah, she's really fast. Maybe she was channeling her inner uh, Alexi good so. could, ve-
2: could very well be. You mentioned <laughs> Hendricks LaPierre a second ago, and I know everybody is infatuated with him. Uh, is he going back to the juniors, or is he going to start the year in Hershey? Do we know yet?
3: He will start the year in Hershey. I believe that they had already started um, some preseason games that he was in. So, yeah, he the plan for him is to be in Hershey, and I would assume that he's one of those guys on the short list to come up and um you know substitute in with guys get injured in season so he's definitely a a name to watch probably won't see him first off the bat but definitely a name
2: so he's I mean that's he is he's progressing even faster than I think they thought he was going to isn't he
3: yeah I think with Hendricks I mean he always has the right attitude when it comes to training camp it seems like he always prepares himself he knows what to do uh he just honestly acts like a true pro even for a young kid and I'm sure that's from being around a lot of these veteran guys last year to start the year. I think that gave them a lot of confidence and uh, obviously just have to see if that confidence continues and if it translates now to the AHL level.
2: Okay. And, and final question here is uh, as we get ready for opening night on Wednesday, uh, and I'm hugely excited about this, but, the food blog that we're going to have from the arena this year. You know, it looks like you're taking the chicken and waffle sandwich. You're going to take it to a different level this year. What can we expect from the culinary uh, journey of Samantha Pell throughout the uh, the NHL this year? Because this is the hottest thing on uh, this is trending on social media right now, you know.
3: <laughs> well, we'll definitely see how it goes. I still have to figure out everything and logistics and stuff like that if I can even do it um but yeah no I really enjoyed kind of the experience last season of you know eating a chicken sandwich and having people kind of interact and <laughs> just kind of having that whole fan thing going um I think this is fun cool thing other writers obviously got involved I think other local reporters tried it too so overall I mean I think hockey is a fun game and in arena stuff is super fun but yeah we'll we'll see uh where the rest of the season goes with that so yeah
2: that's it. I, I, I can't wait. They got that 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 poutine stuff up in Canada. So I got to think an arena or two up there probably sells poutine
3: and stuff. Oh, I love poutine. I know I've had a lot of poutine in Canada. Nice. Uh, I will never not have it.
2: <laughs> uh, and she stays so thin. I don't know how she does her <laughs> uh, to be young again. All right, Samantha Pell, a uh, follower at Samantha J Pell on uh, Twitter. You can look for her every day in the post. Now that hockey season is finally here, Sam. Thank you so much. As always, we will talk to you again soon.
3: Absolutely, thank you.
2: All right, that is it for us. We got to get on out of here. Commanders uh, and Bears Thursday night football. God help us all. Capitals opening up Wednesday night against the Boston Bruins. We'll talk about it all on Friday. Good luck. Remember, like the wise man once said, if you're on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white.